Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern podcast. <laughs> what's I am up, your everybody? Host, Alex Kessler here with my ho- co-host Ben Bateman. Yeah, what's going on? We're uh, we're here. We're back in studio. Exciting stuff to be talking about. We've got a special guest. Um, our special guest, Brian David Marshall. What's up, man? Hey, everybody. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing good. Welcome back to the show. It's good to see you. Uh, more we just saw you briefly in New York for Toy Fair, but uh, we're actually not seeing you. We don't so is, this, is this your third time on the podcast or the second time or the fourth time? I feel like it is the second time. We definitely talked to you around Eldrazi Winter Pro Tour. I think it's the third time because I think we did Eldrazi Winter Pro Tour. I think we did it the last time you had a, a Kickstarter out there, which was for Emergent Genesis. Oh, you're right. You're right. You know then... what? This is, the, this is my third time on the show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think we need to get you the third the third for what are the what's the SNL bathrobes that they used to give out to everyone oh, when the they bath- were like – yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is a, a weird throwback to a weird sketch starring Alec Baldwin and, and Tom Hanks. He's like the greatest host of all time. All right, but let's let's get straight into things. So uh, there's a ton of shout outs we'll get to a little bit later in the show, guys. But uh, we are excited to have Brian back on the show. And we're going to be talking about your Kickstarter, your new stuff. We're going to be talking about the effect of Jace and Bloodbraid on Modern and what's going on the last couple of weeks and a bunch of other cool stuff. Yeah. So Magic 25, we have the full the full review is out there so we can talk a little bit about our thoughts on it as well as kind of the direction that these master sets are going. And yeah, be sure to check out the Command Zone. They just had their 200th episode. They're our uh, sister podcast. Yeah, you had a little cameo on there. Yeah, yeah, I did actually. Yeah. talked about my game of uh, Commander with those guys in Vegas. It was a lot of fun. So I, I suggest we jump straight into things. Um, let's, let's talk about Modern right now, what's actually going on. The sky was falling. Everybody was flipping out. So we have some Magic Online Championship Series results that are very Bloodbraid heavy, correct? Yeah, so it's interesting. Over the last weekend, there were, obviously there were a bunch of Modern IQs, but there was one, uh, there was a SEG Modern Classic, the Magic Online Championships, and that was pretty much the main two big tournaments, um, plus a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of random other tournaments. But the the, the difference between the two is the the Mox was extraordinarily heavy in Bloodbraid Delft. You know, Jund, Jund was, I think, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight or nine of the decks in the top, in the 23 decks represented. So that's a lot. That's a lot of Bloodbraid Elves. It's a pretty hefty, pretty hefty number of Bloodbraid Elves. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was the second most played card in the tournament after Lightning Bolt, followed by Tarmogoyf, followed by Liliana the Veil, followed by Inquisition of Codeselect, followed by Thoughtseize, followed by Dark Confidant, followed by Colgan's Command, Collective Brutality, then Full Matter Mage. So people are really stoked on Jun. Yeah, that's that's that's, <laughs> uh, that's the Jun deck. <laughs> so so Brian, what, first of all, we didn't get to talk to you before the unbannings. Um, we also didn't get to talk to you like immediately after. We're just getting to talk to you on the show now for the first time since this happened. So what were your responses initially? So my my initial response to the unbannings, you know, everyone was going off about Jace, the Mind Sculptor, and you know all all sorts of just. You know, Shane Serrani having some embolism on Twitter. He was so excited. You know, just people talking about, you know, unearthing old Patrick Chapin raps about Jace better than all. And, you know, everyone was talking about Jace. And I uh, I just linked to my article I had written in 2010, which was when Bloodbraid Elf was rotating out of standard 
uh, I did like this dossier on Blood Braid Elf. It was like an interview with Blood Braid Elf. And she's just kind of salty in the interview because like no one appreciated the job she did keeping Jason checked. Like Jason Mind Sculptor was in standard at the same time as Blood Braid Elf, but Blood Braid Elf remained the dominant card at that time because you know, you know, you're tapping out four mana and you're, you know, maybe drawing three cards or doing something, but you know, if the Blood Braid players tapping four mana, they're getting they're getting an immediate two for one, they're attacking the board, they're doing stuff. And you know, with lightning and, and other, you know, good cards, Jace really was like a difficult play to make on turn four in standard what Blood Braid was on. Well, yeah, so I, mean, I just they... wanted to remind people that Blood Red Blood Braid had already you know, had the upper hand in that kind of head-to-head when they were in standard together. It's funny that Bloodbraid into Blightning became the super Bloodbraid into Blightning, which is Bloodbraid into Colagon's Command. <laughs> it's like, the, <laughs> it's the super version of yeah, that for modern. It. Well, yeah, yeah and, and that's kind of the point. When you're playing a Planeswalker whose, like, main way to punish decks is to bounce their creature, you know, their their turn four yeah. play to kind of up them, and Bloodbraid is like, great, you, I get to Cascade again. <laughs> and generally the things I'm Cascading into kill you as well, being it Maelstrom Pulse, Lightning Bolt, or Colgan's Command. So Jace is put into this kind of back foot in that comparison. Um. Yeah, I, I, I was, I'm a big Bloodbraid. I mean, I, 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 was, I was not also not surprised to see that much Bloodbraid at the box, just because it's, a, it's such a small field and... I think if you're expecting, I think if you're expecting people to play Jace, which I, I think a lot of people were, then I think the answer is to go to a deck that you know. Uh, I, I joked with Reed Duke before the tournament. We were talking. I, I, I also I also knew he was playing Jund uh, from from talking to him, but like you know he had or or some variant of based around Liliana thought seeds. You know those those cards. Um, you know, if you know your opponent's going to be playing this this deck that is going to tap out and, and not essentially really impact the board or is playing these more reactive cards, then your Thought Seeds and, and things like that, and your Culligan's Commands and your Blightning, you know, whatever Blightning equivalent it is, all just get better. Right, and, and this is kind of going also back to the era of modern before Blood Braid Elf was banned, where, you know, Jun was the most represented deck in the field. It wasn't even necessarily the best deck at that point, but it was a 55% deck always. Like, no matter what you were playing against, you were a little bit benefited to possibly win. And for a bunch of pros who spend a lot of time on standard, a lot of time on limited, a lot of time in other formats, and only visit modern, especially at that point when modern was new, when it was necessary because there was a pro tour, because there was a GP coming up, you know, they were like, well, I could choose one of these decks that I have to get really good at, I have to choose one of these decks that's really linear and sometimes just gets stomped by the right sideboard card, or I can choose Jund that is just maybe going to win because that's how yeah, John works. Always let me play the game, right? Yeah. I always get to be playing. I always get to be doing something to interact with my opponent and I have information and I have some tempo and I have some, some, some elements of control that they just get to do something uh, to interact with their opponent in almost every matchup. Right. So they get to capitalize on how good they are as a player. And then on top of that, there's just nothing's ever going to be totally a loss for them. And if you don't know what you're going to be going into, you know, these are a bunch of players that spent the last, you know, three weeks ago, spent a month or two months testing for modern that was all kind of thrown out the window. So they have to go to this mocks tournament, not knowing 
where they need to be at from a competitive level, not wanting to put in the same amount of effort because it's one tournament against 27 people in a fresh format. And their choices are play a Jace deck that A, is a much more difficult deck to play, is a harder card to find the correct shell to be in, or play Junt. <laughs> and I think they just all went, most of them went with that choice. You know, some of them went with Burn because Burn is the uh, the reversed version of Jund, which is like, well, if I don't know how to kill my opponent, I'm just going to burn them out. out. And I think those are kind of the main two directions people went. And then you had the people who actually won the tournament going with Green-White Hexproof, which was kind of a the double meta gameplay, which is like, I'm just going to play four main deck Leyline of Sanctity and just not let Thoughtseize or Liliana wreck my day. That's a definitely like a classic. Uh, that's one of the classic meta decks, the Boggles deck. That's what you do when you're like, yeah, no one's going to see this coming. And it's happened. It's one like, it's it wins. Consistently wins things when people decide to do that. I think what's so interesting about Bloodbraid Elf, looking at it, looking at the results now, is you think about where Modern has gotten to since that banning and the whole justification Wizards had with these two four drops saying that we don't feel that this format is going to be hurt by two four drops. Like, people aren't really very, barely even playing four drops. Well, the quality of Bloodbraid Elf as a four drop and, and a deck that people could still already play Jund without Bloodbraid Elf, people did it anyway. So to take that card and add it in and realize that the impact you're getting is exactly the kind of four drop that Modern can support, which is one that does something immediately. You get, you get like, advantage, the haste, the power, and the second spell. It's like... I think it really pushes Jun's power level. Like, it feels more powerful now that you can get you can hit collective brutality or Kologon's command off of it. So much mm. more powerful than it used to. I dream of hitting a getting a Bloodbraid Elf back with my Kologon's command. I know it's crazy. I don't. I don't. I don't need a dream. I did it. <laughs> it's great. It feels, it feels great. No, I, don't, uh, I don't play. Jun. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing I, I do also want to point out, though, that like. There's a lot of people online right now doing the classic anytime a deck does well in a tournament or is overrepresented in a tournament, the sky is falling, oh god, our new Jund overlords are going to ruin magic, how dare wizards unban Bloodbraid Elf, uh, when if you really look at last year at the same exact point right after you know the, the new bannings happened, Death Shadow showed up, was the new spice, the next tournament after the Death Shadow deck did really well, it was heavily overrepresented. It was the new fair deck that was just better at doing everything else people were doing. And then by, you know, two months later, it's fine. It's obviously a tier one deck. It's a deck that you can take to a tournament and not, you know, laugh at yourself about doing so. But it wasn't the best deck in the format, and it was just the best fair deck. And I think we're in a position where, not to call any of these players lazy, because they're obviously very hard workers, but the 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 easy choice was Junt. And... And I think if over the next six months we're going to see the metagame continue to evolve and to balance out to the point where people will start playing decks that are good against Jund, people will start figuring out the best shells for Jace, and you're just going to have kind of a situation where people are going to be playing different things. If you look at the SCG event, you know, Jace was on the top 10 most played card list, not Bloodbraid Elf. In fact, I don't think a single card out of... Uh, Jund is in the top 10 most played cards out of the SEG Modern Classic in Worcester. So, like, the difference in metagame there is going to be very interesting once we get to the next GP. I'm h highly yeah, interested is, in seeing GP play. Which is GP Phoenix uh, a weekend, you know, the weekend after this. And uh, I'm real, I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to see. I actually wonder if, if you're expecting a ton of Jund now, if you're expecting maybe, you know, people going to an event like the GP, which is you know, a little more pro-centric than, than the SCG event. Sure. Uh, 
and you're expecting Jun, then I think whatever Jace Shell does well will probably be a blue-red Blood Moon style deck with Spreading Seas. Yeah, because I like that. That was the deck that always beat Jun. <laughs> well, the other, you the, know, the other at, at back in the old days, right? The oh yeah, days. the the with <laughs> this before Jace came out, there was the Sphinx that was hexproof that no one could deal with, and, and oh, you would right, play right. you would play Baneslayer Angel, and it was just like the slot blue white control versus jace and those are the kind of the two things that were going on until everything stopped popping up and you had dredge vine and you had uh emerical uh polymorph decks and oh yeah, yeah and standard back then. my favorite standard era we're going into the my favorite standard of all time we're entering that space but modern version which i actually <laughs> am very excited it about it is funny that them unbanning these two at the same time does bring us so well, much back to there i also think there's a lot of play i mean you know there's a lot of talk about going back to the blue white red kiki jiki yeah, resto right. angel decks that like were really good before Bloodbraid elf got banned wall of omens is one of the best cards you can cast against the Bloodbraid elf because it yeah. just stops the Bloodbraid elf and it's tracks draws yeah. you a card pro- proactively and then you have resto angel to be able to gain value off of it later so like those blue white red decks playing jace seemed really powerful and you know one of the arguments against jace being unbanned when splinter twin was around was that jace puts people on this weird back foot when you're playing a combo deck like that because your choices are either deal with jace and ignore them just comboing out at the end of your turn or ignoring jace and letting jace kill you while you make sure they don't kill you with the combo so it puts you on this weird back foot and that's like a shell that i'm definitely interested in seeing doing well also 15th place at this modern classic was the taking turn decks so dope with jace taking turn seems real spicy yeah i mean that i I watched uh, i watched like a matchup uh on one of those you know scgs or something uh of of Brad Nelson maybe playing turns or playing against turns or something like that, and it was he was playing with Jace, and it was awesome. Yeah, I mean was, Thomas Davies was the one that went, placed fifteenth, but at the SCG event. But I think I remember that as well, where it's yeah. just like there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do out there. It's just going to take time to figure out what it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you think anyone's gonna? Do you think people are gonna pick up um, Budakov's lead with Boggles or Bogles as? I'm told it's supposed to be called, but I still it's, call it Boggles. I think actually the correct pronunciation is Noggles. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, which card did you ask? Uh, I'm just saying, like, what, do you think do you think people are going to uh, pick up Dmitry Budakov, won the Magic Online Championship with, with Boggles? Oh, oh. And, uh, I mean, that deck seems great against both of those decks. Yeah. I mean, you know, both the Jace decks and the Bloodbraid decks. So we, we talked a lot about not this result, but the a few weeks ago when in the GP was won in, by in the GP and, and he was playing three main deck Leyline of Sanctity and and that was a new thing. That was like a thing we hadn't seen somebody do before. And that's I mean, that is the most interesting part of playing Boggles to me, is that you can do that. You can play for him if you want to. The thing is the, that deck is intrinsically not powerful enough that if people are aware of it being a thing, it Well but how do you how do you deal with not like I keep going to say Noggles a thousand times this episode. I already <laughs> set myself up. Uh, but Boggles, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do you deal with that deck if with a Leyline in play? Because you can't make them sacrifice the creature they have. You so, play Terminus Jace decks? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the answer. I think Miracles is the answer. If I were to, if I'm walking into a tournament, I think Green White Hexproof is actually the, a real, the new affinity or the new infect, which is like the new hyperlinear sure. deck to punish. Uh, new, uh, new infect, like the better comparison. Yeah. Yeah, I think a new infect is a really good comparison. And, and, uh, I think, yeah, playing Terminus is a card that I'd very much consider. I think that's probably the spicy tech going into the tournament. Yeah, I mean, what, what's the other one? The Destroy All Enchantments card? Not uh, not Tranquility. It's the other one. There's a few Destroy All the Enchantments white one. cards. The b- Blanket of Light or something? BDM, you remember this? 
I, I do. It's I just think of it as white tranquility. Yeah, white tranquility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cur- Currently, BDM is my phone, so yeah. I can't look up cards on it. Oh, so I'm, I'm going to be extra point. useless today. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think there's also what is it? Fra- you know, it's it's obviously a little slower, but like this fracturing gust, so you get all that life back. Yeah, right. The five drop. Right. And we were talking about, you know, Maidu Pyromancer is a deck also that I still think is going to be really good. Hollowed One decks are really good right now. So there's there's a lot of different choices out here. I, I think one Magic Online World Championship where the field was, a you know, not that many people walking into it. And they all had very similar incentives walking in and were a very similar level of player because they're all obviously they're in the Magic World Online Champions. They're all very good. Uh, you're going to have a situation that's a little bit more weighted in a different way than a natural tournament and i'm and, and i think that sure yeah so but but people don't people don't look at that incentive when they're going to play in the next tournament right true. they just people are so results oriented you know people just look at what won what did well they don't really factor in that it was a 24 person tournament or that it was you know a 2000 person tournament and you know actually and, and actually maybe the results in the 2000 person tournament are a little more random in, in a sense because there's so many decks that you have to deal with in a 2000 person modern field right and, and i do think there's a level also to look into of this is modern this isn't a standard situation where the most recent tournament is going to dictate what my deck looks like it, a lot of players that are going to that gp in phoenix have had their deck for you know three years five years now and you know with, I, I have blue white built that hasn't really gone away for five years since modern started it just has changed slightly but you know people have been playing their deck forever they're not gonna like the infinity players aren't changing their game plan too much they're gonna add etch champion to their deck and that's what the big difference is gonna yep. be going into this weekend so right. so you have in a gp situation especially with modern you have much more specialists that aren't going to change their deck too much based on the new flavor obviously jun players are back i think you know all the people that are playing grixis control or not grixis control but grixis death shadow might switch over to jun decks but i think in general you're going to have a much wider breadth of different decks available which means decks like jun might be better off in that situation they are the 55 percent against the field deck but then also decks like green hexproof might just win the whole thing so, all right, shot out of a cannon right now, guys. What's your initial reaction on a scale of 1 to 10 for each card? Scale of 1 to 10, how negatively impactful has either card been to modern? Alex, go first. Bloodbraid, scale of 1 to 10. Uh, I would say right now or will be. Right now. Right it's now, just, I think it's at a 7, just because it is. I mean, we had a de- tournament where... But each card separately. So 7 on both, or... What do you mean? Like, is I Blood... think Bloodbraid Elf being unbanned on Modern's effect as of right now, based on tournament results, is a 7 in a negative way. 7 out of 10 on I, negative I don't think skill. it will be that, but I think you know a 4-drop shouldn't be the second most played card in a tournament. How about Jace? <laughs> Jace, I think, is a 4. Uh, a 4? A a okay, so what about you, B- BDM? Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm rating their... Negative what, impact. What am... Like, right now, the face of Modern, How it ha- if you were going to rank each card on a scale of 1 to 10, how negatively impactful has each card been? Oh, I don't. I don't think either one is that negatively impactful. I mean, I think they're both just really exciting cards, right? I think Jace is a card that just makes people want, makes a whole like psychographic of Magic players want to play a format. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think it's actually very positively impactful, and I think it's so far shown itself to be reasonably fair in modern. And I think uh, I think Bloodbraid is just a card you have to react to. I, I would say Bloodbraid is 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 probably like. You know, like a three or a four negatively impactful, and, and base is a two or a three. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, they're both positively impactful. 
I asked the question only because the sky was falling so hard on Jace just two weeks ago, and everybody was like, Modern's done. You've killed the format. This is stupid. How did you guys put this card back in? Right, well, Emma Handy did that really interesting Twitter poll like the day after the banning happened and then a yeah. week later asked the, or like three weeks later asked the exact same poll and like it was like will jace negatively infect the format will it heavily yeah. affect the format will it just be a role player and like the skewing vote difference was really fascinating yeah um i i think that every time it, i don't think either of these cards are going to infect uh, sorry in fact i don't <laughs> think either of these cards are going to affect modern any heavily than a super strong standard card would i think you know, we've had cards come out in standard sex that were really powerful, and most of the time they're fine, excluding Eldrazi and Delve. And these will probably be a very similar effect on modern. They're probably a little bit higher than that normal power level, but they also deal with each other in an interesting way. So I think they keep each other in check. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be where it ends up. I think modern has had multiple cards unbanned and or released into it and has responded. Even when Delve came out, if you look at the tournament before the, the cards were banned out of it, there are eight different decks in the top eight. They're all heavily skewed because Treasure Cruise was in the format, but eight different mm -hmm. decks top eighted the GP before they banned treasure cruise and birthing pod so like modern is always is just such a large powerful card pool that it's always going to kind of just amalgamate back to that status quo yeah i think if i was going to answer that question i would have to say I, I feel like jace it's like a one like i don't i think jace makes some decks possible i think it's pretty cool i i, I haven't noticed it uh affecting any deck that i thought was gonna like I, I haven't noticed it pushing anything into the place where i'm like afraid of a deck Bloodbraid, it's a little harder to say. I probably am between the two of you guys. I'd probably say J it, it feels like a solid five right now. I don't think I would call it negative in the sense that it's making modern worse, but it is certainly a card that, like, that whole, like, random effect of Bloodbraid that used to exist of I cast this and just, like, oops all over you is, like, what that card feels like. And modern's such a high power level format anyway that I think you could just swing a game so hard with that card. Yeah, and to clarify my answer, because I got thrown under the bus a little bit here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that Bloodbraid Elf specifically had a negative effect on the Magic Online World Championship, yeah. not on Modern as a whole. Sure. I don't think Modern is problematic by it. I think that by it being unbanned, this specific tournament was un was hurt theoretically and how diverse it would have been if it wasn't unbanned uh but <laughs> i think that we have a situation where neither of these cards are going to be problematic in the long run um and that was kind of my statement when they both got unbanned i think like bloodbraid elf is easier is an easier card to play with that was the complaint when i was in standard everyone hated jund because jund was for people that were bad at magic because it was easy you just cast lightning bolt kill their creature cast terminate kill their creature or uh cast a uh What's the what's the worm that gets bigger? Not worm, leech. Putrid leech. Putrid leech. And, and then you cast blightning, and then you cast blood right elf, and it cascades into another blightning putrid leech maelstrom pulse or lightning bolt, and you kill them. And yeah, it, it was wasn't great. like you never thought about what your next play was. Versus this jund, which a is harder because it's all, all of the discard decisions and the high powered and high velocity of the decks you're fighting against is a much more difficult thing to handle. But it's still like I cast my four drop, it cascades into the thing. The thing that it cascades to makes the decision for me, and we move on with our lives. Versus Jace, which takes much more effort to play well but will be that card within the next six months. So I suggest we move on to discussing a little bit about M25. Um, just like a couple thoughts on what we've now seen. I think you and I are going to do a full set review soon, probably. Probably, though it's not really a modern set. We'll do a set review. We'll, 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 we'll do the normal top ten 
favorite cards, blah, we'll blah, something. blah, that we normally do probably yes. next week. So I think it'll be fun to do a couple quick thoughts on that with UBDM. Um, before we do that, I want to remind everybody that we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the MMcast. That's how we pay for mics and things. So if you guys want to help us out, go check that out. Um, and also, there's a Facebook group that you guys can interact on. Um, Facebook, the, the Masters of Modern Facebook group, is like 4,000 people now. So it, uh, it's awesome. There's tons and tons of cool ideas and all kinds of brews. I'm going to go and brew that uh, Blood Sun, Felidar Guardian, Sahili Kiki Jiki deck <laughs> with Jace later today. I'm going to do it, and okay. I'm going to post it in there because I just have been thinking about that and how much I just need to build that. And then I'm going to win uh, Phoenix yeah. with it. Is there- <laughs> the Sahili cat decks have been doing sneaky okay in modern. Yeah, so I we've we've talked about it on the show a bunch, but I had this idea for when they printed Blood Sun, I thought it was a very cool idea to play that in a Sahili cat deck because you could blink Blood Sun with the Guardian on four, and you could draw the extra card off of it. Yeah. And so if you add that with Wall of Omens, now that Bloodbraid's in the format, throw in maybe like some some combination of Kiki's Angels and Jace's plus interactive cards. I don't know exactly like which of those you should be playing. <laughs> there might be a deck there. So I, I'm going to probably try to brew that list and, and put it out there. Um, but any, is there any deck BDM that you're kind of messing around with right now in the new Wild West of Modern? Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just I, uh, the the deck that I have been playing around with a little bit is is uh, is a. I always try to look at some old decks from Standard and see how maybe they could be brought into. Uh, a modern format, and one of the decks that I've always loved is um, the Magnavore decks. Okay. Uh, which, which is like this deck that really relies on sorceries in your graveyard. Obviously, I, I don't even know how to make it work game one, so like I'm not don't worry about game twos with rest in peace or something like that yet. <laughs> but <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, this card's sweet. I forgot about this card. Is it time um, shifted? Uh, no, it's ninth edition. Ninth edition. Yeah. <laughs> There's okay. so many weird like cards that just appeared in random editions of 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 uh, corset. Eighth, yeah, eight, uh, eight, eighth and ninth are the crazy ones. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Magnavore is just like this sweet card, and like you know, I just want to boomerang and eye to nowhere and stone rain people and uh, you know just destroy all the lions. I am obviously fantasizing about playing against a uh, Tron player here, but. <laughs> boomerangs i don't know where's i i had a i had a brew at one point that i made that uh we talked about and it ended up not being good at all so i stopped doing it i don't think this is good but i still love it do you remember the card lanessa zephyr mage (laughs) it was it was one of the uh it was one of the future site um you know the legends with grandeur i think she's in dominaria i think we have art spoiled of her she's yeah. the like the the wizard everyone thought was um the jess guy planeswalker oh they all thought she was uh the 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 uh oh god what's her name narset, narset yeah. yeah yeah she's she's the one the grandeur card the four drop that you could discard a copy yeah, of her, at her right now. <laughs> I, so i had i had this whole like boomerang i have nowhere deck built with snapcasters and cryptics where you wanted to just like find a way to recur her back to your hand and just start like looping, discarding this card over and over again to just bounce your opponent's board. 
Oh, nice. So I was obsessed with trying to figure that one out. I could never get there. It was I could never make it actually work. Um, but I feel you on the whole boomerang, and I have nowhere planned. You guys are doing fun things. I'm just trying to play Jace Corsair of Groovefix, Bloodbraid Elf, and Ancestral Visions all in the same deck. Yeah, that sounds that sounds legitimately <laughs> you, powerful. Need, needs more Lotus Cobra, buddy. I know. Well, what it needs is it needs removal. <laughs> Lightning Bolt by itself is not not cutting it. So let's let's dive into 25 for just a quick second. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about the rarity shift. Uh, in terms of value, like uh, a lot, a lot of people have talked about how there's a lot of value at rare and not so much value at mythic. Um, Alex, I saw you commenting on this a little bit that this is a positive. Uh, every every master set where the value, really any set where the value is held at mythic, is bad <laughs> for Magic. Uh, if I were to choose, uh, I mean, like in reality, like the best, the best two master sets in my opinion were Eternal Masters and Modern Masters one, and both of those had very good value at common and uncommon um, more than anywhere and partly because because every pack comes with a foil you have the situation where by having commons and uncommons that are worth so much you have the chance of opening $80 fire blast or red elemental blast and you have uh, options of opening you know foil kitchen finks and foil path to exiles and foil so like when that's the situation that's that's the set that I'm more excited to be from a value perspective that people kind of always forget is that all these cards are foiled out, so you have that option. From the perspective of this set, you know, you have a lot of high-end commons and uncommons. You have some expensive rares. Yes, the mythic slot isn't as good, but, like, you're winning your draft if you get any of those mythics. So that's kind of the, <laughs> the opposite end of that. Like, I don't think I've ever lost a game of limited that I had a chroma in my pool. So, <laughs> either of them. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I'm really worried about the mythic part of it you know if you look at modern masters 2 which is the famous one that had the most all of its value was at mythic you had elish norton had the eldrazi like and then once you left mythic value significantly dropped off that is a relatively unpopular one the format was unfun and in general when you opened a pack it wasn't worth the ev because you had to like get lucky to get an extra mythic in your box now you have the option of rares and, and uncommon and common to make your money back beyond that and we have curse catcher back which we didn't talk about last week but I would swear, but we can't on this podcast, but I am extraordinarily happy that Curse Catcher is reprinted, no longer the most expensive bad card in modern. And uncommon again, though, right? <laughs> it is an uncommon. So it'll be like a $4 card now instead of a $9 card? It'll probably be, it'll probably bounce back to 10 Just because people will have it and they'll play Merfolk. You now. need it for Merfolk. It's still a highly four of in multiple. Well, the people, easiest people still play it in modern. Merfolk, but they don't, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a guarantee in Merfolk anymore. Sure, I think, I think it might go. At, at worst, it goes to four. It was at 30 at one point. So, so crazy. <laughs> Curse catcher, uh, and who knows how much this set is going to be opened? But based on how how annoyed the internet seems to be, but any any cards in particular, just right off the bat, that you're super happy to see the reprint on uh, BDM? Oh, for I mean, for me, there's a bunch. I mean, like for, you know, I, I view I'm viewing this as a as a drafter, obviously, and viewing this as just this curation of 25 years of Magic history. Uh, so uh, there's a couple cards in here that I love. The first constructed deck that I ever built. Uh, pretty seriously, had four copies of Arcane Denial in it. Sick, yeah. So seeing that card in here just makes me super, super happy. Um, you know, have Arcane Denial my own spells since, you know, 1995, right? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You yeah, know, what, like what, the old... That's the, we played, reunion the hard way. 
we, we play this format where you can only play legal cards that have a foil version in print, and that's that was definitely one of the ones that when I saw they were printing a foil of it, finally. I was super excited. Yes. Uh, for that format, there are specifically some really spicy things I'm really excited about. We got, an, you know, Animar is now available in Highlander Roulette. Flash. We get Flash, which is now available in Highlander Roulette. Oh, I- you get, uh, like, every new foil printing are all things that are just, like, spicy there. I haven't played it in a while, but now this is definitely wanting me to bring back. All the Commander cards that are now foil available. That's the other thing, is I have my Commander deck is... Right. What my, my main one is a foiled out Geist of St. Traff deck and like you come to a table and people are like oh man the guy with the foiled decks deck is going to be way too good and like I'm like well it's actively worse than your deck because I can't play with better cards because they have to be foil so like not that I would play reform in this deck but like I'm excited that there's a foil reform yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I think it's going to yeah, be a sweet set also Vesuvian Shapeshifter Brian Elemental is probably the most successful impact I ever had on a constructed format so the Pickles deck that oh, yeah. somehow Paul Cheon gets the preview for, which was utter BS, uh, <laughs> uh, was a deck that I invented. You're talking about the so, one back in Time Spiral with Vesuvian Doppelganger and... Yeah. They're, they're both that in here. That was my deck. Oh. The reason it's called Pickles is, is my, you know, the, the whole thing. I, you know, Mike, well, Mike Flores and I built it. Uh, played a ton of it. Gavin Verhey played it in an event after listening to us talk about it on the Topic Magic podcast. He did well with it. And then it sort of got out into the world. Some Japanese players were playing variants of it, and Paul Cheon played it. But yeah, that was that was very much like we're going to build a deck, and it is going to do this. Yeah, I think I've I've played against Gavin Verhey in Commander. I think three times now, and I think all three times he's killed me with the Brian Elemental combo. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's what I want. I want a nine-player game with it. Want oh. a nine-player Commander game yeah. with that combo. When it unmorphs, it taps all their lands. Is that the deal? Uh, it surveys off each oh. opponent, skips their next untap step. That's right. So yeah. once people tap out and you get it off, they are no longer playing magic with you. Sick. Yeah, okay. I remember this. This was a thing. I love Time Spiral. Um, all right. <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's, let's move on a little bit uh, to the next bit of the show here. So we want to talk about your Kickstarter. So you had, yeah. you've, you've now run several. This will be your second successful Kickstarter. Is that true? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is my first where I'm running it as myself. I, I've, I've had a business partner for some other stuff, which was uh, like a, some game stuff. But this is uh, this is I'm running this uh, my own campaign here for the first time. So, uh, which is which is kind of cool, kind of terrifying, yeah. um, and a lot of work. So yeah, so. But, so people that don't know, uh, uh, you you successfully kickstarted with your partner Emergent Genesis, which you can actually go buy right now at thinkgeek.com. You can look it up. It's a superhero yep. deck building game with awesome art. A lot of the artists are current, like high and Ben knows this better than I do, but high end comic book artists. Yeah, absolutely. Steve Ellis uh, did the box art. He's uh, a very successful comic book artist. Uh, Amanda Connor, yeah, uh, who is pretty much the hottest artist in comics right now. She's been drawing. Uh, working on the Harley Quinn book for DC. Uh, she she did a card in there. Uh, you know, a bunch of really great people contributed to the art in that game. And it's actually, I love I love that game. It's one of my favorite comic book creations that I don't actually have a comic book about. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, and then speaking of making a comic book, that's what the current Kickstarter is. It's called The Totally Unstuck Adventures of Anna Kronos, colon, Second Hands. Yeah, so, so yeah, the name of the first book is, is a story called The Second Hands. Um, hopefully we're going to do multiple books uh, with this character and the characters around her. 
uh, but it's it's about a 15 year old girl who is the daughter of time guardians. Her parents work for a time agency called the Stopwatch. Uh, they want her very much out of the family business. They do not want her time traveling, but uh, she basically hotwires a time machine and goes on an adventure and uh, creates a situation that is going to need to be cleaned up by her without her parents actually knowing that she's doing it. And uh, it's just super fun. Uh, it's really a throwback to a lot of my favorite types of comics growing up is uh, growing up reading comics like High Adventure, um, you know, light humor, high action. Uh, also, it's a love letter to a lot of my favorite time travel movies, books, comic book series. Um, there's, there's a lot of uh, time travel, even in the title, right? There's a reference to Slaughterhouse-Five. What would you say is your favorite time traveling piece of content ever? Wow. That is, uh, that's super difficult to answer. Cause there's so many, honestly, I'm really fond of time after time. I believe that's the name of it, right? Where it's, uh, HG Wells chases Jack the Ripper into the future. Oh, I don't know this one. You're, you're going oh, over it's a my movie. head. It was it's based on a book too, but it's, it was, it was made into a movie with, um, Malcolm McDowell, and um, Mary Steenburgen and I want to say Jack Warner as. Wow, this uh, is important that I need to know this. Uh, Jack Pepper. <laughs> it's it's great. Ben Ben is regularly on uh, movie trivia shows, and so when any anyone name drops a movie he's never heard of with actual uh, actors in it, he freaks out and now is tilting that he's never heard about it. <laughs> it's going down a shame oh, it, spiral. It's, it's really good. It's also the movie that. Uh, yeah, time after time. 1979. I have the song stuck in my head now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, David Warner. David Warner was his name, not Jack Warner. Mary Steinberg, yeah. and this uh, is 79. Yeah, she won cool. the Oscar the next year. Crazy. Wow, I can't believe I've never heard of this. Oh, you should you should watch it. It's it's actually terrific. Awesome. It's it's really a, a terrific uh, little movie. Mary Steinberg is great in it. Uh, both the lead actors are terrific. And it's just a fun little uh, time travel thing. That's, uh, by the way, for anybody listening who, who's like, who the F is Mary Steenburgen? Because it's one of those people who you know her face, but you don't know her name. She's the mom from Step Brothers. Everybody knows her face. She's that, like, lovely mother character that people see now. But she won an Oscar back in the day, and she was, you know, not just the mom in Step Brothers. She's, yeah. Uh, she's she's a, also, yep. also done some great, I don't know if you guys are fans of the TV show Justified. But she had a run on the TV show Justified later in uh, her career. Uh, towards the end of that show where she played just a badass Dixie Mafia widow. Uh, she was she was great in that. She was married to Ted Danson for a long time. Might still be. She also, I think she shows up in um, uh, Back in the Future 3, if I, if I remember correctly, right? She's the one she with Doc Brown Foster. Yeah, she's the, she's she's the female leader. So yeah. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. So, so, so you launched this. I'm assuming there's 20 days to go as of the time of recording, which means I'm assuming you launched it 10 days ago. You have no, oh. no, I launched it three days ago. Three days ago. We launched it on Monday. Okay, so you launched it this Monday. You have just hit your goal. So you originally were looking to raise five thousand five hundred dollars, and we are now five seven five two with one hundred and five backers. So congratulations, that's super awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, what, you're gonna make this comic book. It's great. Yeah. So what are what are some of the things people can kind of get for donating? Uh, you know, uh, to the Kickstarter. So we, you know, obviously we have, uh, you know, on the lower tiers we have digital comic you can get. Uh, you can get a physical comic. 
uh, which is going to be a Kickstarter exclusive. So if we do any other editions of the comic, they'll have a different cover than what we're going to do for the Kickstarter uh, release. Uh, we have a playmat, which is awesome. We have this gorgeous two-page spread done by the artist Jesse Munoz, who's also a Magic player, by the way. I met him at Grand Prix uh, Portland a couple of years ago, and he showed me his artwork, and that's really like got the ball rolling on us working on this project together. Um, but yeah, you can get this playmat. Uh, we have sketch covers, so you know if you want, we'll do a, a blank cover, and Jesse will actually draw you a custom cover. Uh, of the comic book, and he's terrific. If you look at his art in the Kickstarter, you can see for yourself. Uh, we have original art from a preview book that we did. First seven pages of the comic are, are up, and you can read them and see, get a sense of what the book's going to be like, and you can get that original art as a reward. Um, you're going to be at Grand Prix Seattle in a couple weeks. We have a Come to Dick's Drive-In with me, Jesse, and Marshall Sutcliffe and get dinner. Dick's driving for those wondering is like that's like Seattle uh, in and out. It's the best thing ever. I'm from Seattle, so it's it is it, it really it's it's not an expensive burger. So I feel a little bad. It's like oh, we'll take you to dinner, but it's it's just such a great experience. And both Marsh Jesse is from the Seattle area, and Marshall obviously in Seattle. Um, those guys love that burger so much. Oh yeah, you know, and eating it with them is is just this. It's just an experience. And Jesse will draw some stuff for you, and it'll be cool. But and then we and we also you can also get drawn into the comic. You can get drawn into the back cover of the comic. Uh, but I, I think the playmat is is super sweet. Uh, I use it all the time now. It's it's actually a very different look than what we're used to from playmats, which are usually one big static image. You know, usually from a magic card. Yeah, I'm looking but, at I'm looking at it now. It's it's your like it's it's she's in a in a. I'm going to call it a crevice, a crevasse <laughs> with yeah. a, with a saber tooth tiger coming after her, destroying something. Uh, there's cards on top of the something. Uh, and yeah. then there's a bunch of cool comic panels be- below it. So it literally yeah. it looks like a, it's straight out of a, a, the comic book, out of a comic. It page. is. It's a two page spread. It's pages two and three of the comic. So, um, you know, it's actually, you know, you know, telling a little bit of the story, but it's just a, a, a dynamic, different way to present artwork on a play mat. I, I would not be surprised to see more um, sequential art play mats in the future. I think it's a really cool thing to do. Yeah, that's really awesome. And then if we hit our stretch goals, our, our stretch goals, we have a $6,500 stretch goal, which will include, um, you know, playing card tokens. We have cats, humans, monkeys, um, possibly spiders, uh, some other stuff that we're gonna, that we're making. So if we get to $6,500, everyone who's purchased a physical reward will get a play set of tokens of these playing cards. Mm-hmm. And then at $8,000, we have a, uh, we talked a little bit about some of the artists uh, I've worked with in the past in the comic book industry. Have a lot of, uh, we're going to have a special guest artist do a variant cover at 8,000. Awesome. And so if you got, you, you, you got the comic, you'll also get the variant art comics as well. So we're, you know, we're pretty excited about those. And, you know, honestly, you know, we're not getting, you know, we, we, we actually need to, get some more people through the door. You know, we really want this book to not only get done, but to be done super well and to have, you know, a little bit of a war chest to keep this uh, character going and to, to promote it and market it and maybe go to some shows. So every, uh, every contribution helps, even though we're across our, our funding goal. Um, there's still a lot more we can do for this book with people's support. 
Oh, yeah. And, and from the perspective of somebody who's currently planning a Kickstarter that we'll be talking about very thoroughly for everyone wanting to know in a month and a half. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the a lot of the goal you said is the kind of the bare minimum. This is the thing that makes sure it happens. But then from this point yeah. on, there's really the things you want to achieve are now what you're reaching for. And so by donating at this point, not only do you get the really cool exclusives and you get something that no one else can really get their hands on, you're helping this get to the next level so that not only do you get this first story, but you get the potential of next stories and future content from this world. Um, so I definitely recommend people get involved on a Kickstarter level. It's really exciting. And obviously you guys have done this before, so it's not like you're throwing money into the ether that you don't know where it's going to go. Um, and it's it's definitely really exciting. It's a yeah, I'm 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 super stoked about it. And um, you know, I don't know how often you guys do giveaways, but I, I'd actually like to offer a playmat up as a as a giveaway to listeners of this podcast. I don't know what you guys want to make them do to uh, to win that, but I leave that to you. Okay, so we'll 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 brainstorm over the next week, and we'll announce next week what our giveaway will be for the mat. Yes, absolutely. Um, awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on, Brian. Oh, we appreciate your time. You guys. Always fun. Yeah, yeah. This was this was a blast. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for for that. You know, a sweet uh, boomerang brew to show up. I'll tag. <laughs> I'll be. I'll be tagging you. Um. Uh. It, it's just gonna be sad because I'm gonna take the Bloodbraid Elf deck that I have with in Junt, and it's got Coursers of Crufix. And I'll I'm just boomerang going your Bloodbraid Elf. It'll be so good. And I'm going to uh play against you and then crush your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I want a Bloodbraid. Blood how about Bloodbraid Elfing just into Tireless Tracker? By the way, I've been playing with a lot of That's, Tireless yeah. Tracker in the queue. That, and that card is just insane. It's really good. It's fun. I uh, I've been playing uh Tireless Tracker and then one off. Uh, cycle dual land and uh, life from the loam in my Jun deck for the last like six months, and oh, yeah. life Send from the loam is. Can you post that list in the show notes? Yes, I want that list. Yes, I will post that. I'll send it to you as well. But it, it, it's it's really fun. Uh, life from the loam is really good with Liliana the Veil, Tylus Tracker, and uh, fetch lands in general because yeah, really just nice. discarding the lands you don't need and then making sure you hit your lands and get your to man lands and rebuy man lands that die to fatal push is like. Very hard to beat. <laughs> yeah, very powerful. Uh, For sure. I'm so, all the way in on the deck. I love it. <laughs> so, Brian, where can the folks find you personally, and uh, what's the best way to support your, the Kickstarter? Give us the give us the full pitch. Sure. Uh, sure. I'm uh, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter. I'm always there. Uh, it's at Top Eight Games. So T O P the number eight and games one word. Uh, you can find us on Kickstarter. I'll send you guys a link for the show notes. But if you just you know, it's under my name is I'm running the campaign. So you look for Brian David hyphen Marshall on Kickstarter or just search for Anachronos. It's going to come up. We're actually like the third most popular comic campaign on Kickstarter right now. Okay. Which was nice. Congratulations. Super cool to see. Uh, so, you, you know, we should, we should show up pretty readily and uh, you know, I'll be at uh, Grand Prix Phoenix uh, in a couple weeks doing a, a modern, uh, doing a modern Grand Prix. So, uh, you know, modern's so exciting that, you know, this wasn't a Grand Prix that wasn't originally scheduled to be covered, but is now being covered. And uh, I'm really excited to see what, what's going on, how the next round of Jace versus Bloodbraid plays out. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. I think that's pretty much going to wrap us up. Alex, where can the folks find you personally? Uh, you can find me at Kess Wiley on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on the Facebook group. I interact there 
More than Ben does. <laughs> uh, you can also uh, check out, if you go to Kess.co, that's the company website. There you can find the game we came out with called Super Party Battle. You guys should check it out. You can find Emergent Genesis there. You can find uh, all the other cool stuff, the hoops and balls and awesome fidget spring summer items that we came out with this spring. Uh, definitely check that place out. Uh, where can they find you? You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter and Instagram. I do a show called Action Movie Anatomy every single Wednesday, streaming live on the Popcorn Talk Network. We've done 130 shows now talking about one action movie a week. Uh, we just did a long interview with the director of Fast and the Furious, Rob Cohen, last week, which was a lot of fun if you guys like movies like that. Or How Triple are you X. catching up? What? Did you really start that within 30, day, 30 weeks of us doing this? Uh... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I've been You've doing it a long time. Years. Um, a lot Dad, of you guys... to... Say what? I have to ask you this. Yes. What is your favorite Fast and the Furious movie? Fast Five, no question. Yeah, I think that's pretty... I'm on that with two. Agent Luke Hobbs shows up. He saves the franchise. The bank, that, the bank for, vault scene. For me, it's Fast and the Furious 7. Yeah. That's, you know, that's that's the second. I, I, I would. Those are my easily the top two, and it... The bank vault scene to me is just, and it's also five was the Based first time the these were good. Fighting like the Hulk in the thing. That's all. That's oh all yeah. I oh no. I, I I regularly describe the scene where the Rock rips his cast off, yeah. then single handedly using an ambulance takes down a drone, and then uses rips the gun off of the drone's carcass to single handedly fight a Blackhawk. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. He um. Uh, we actually we, we we did a we covered Furious Seven on the show a long time ago. Like that was one of the first that movie came out in the first three months we did the show and we were lucky enough to get Debbie Evans, who's the stunt driver for Michelle Rodriguez to come on the show that week. So we did a long, like an hour long interview with her talking about all the stunt driving she had done in those movies. She had been her stunt double yeah. for every single movie. She's this like 60 year old woman or 55 year old woman who was showing us all these clips of her, like doubling as Trinity in the matrix, riding against traffic on a what? motorcycle I was just like, she's like the soft spoken. It was it was totally That's like really cool, crazy experience talking to her. Um, so yeah. I actually, uh, the, to not to settle a bet, but continue a fight. Uh, BDM, what would you say you consider the greatest action star of all time? Holy wow! Um, <laughs> There's only one real answer here. <laughs> wow, wow! This is this is actually really tough, but. I say Jet Li. Yes. Jet Li. Yes. All right. I mean, look, it's personal preference. The answer is Tom Cruise, but I appreciate <laughs> you. No, no, no. No. Kurt Russell over Tom Cruise. That's outrageous. That's, That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Alex is I like Kurt Russell. Loving life He's right good. now. Um, <laughs> so, guys, check out the show, uh, Action Movie Anatomy. You get also, stuff like that. Also, uh, um, by the way, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely check the show out. Yeah, yeah. If, if you like action movies, I mean, it's we, we, we are, we are experts of it. The last thing I was gonna say was a lot of you guys had wondered about the future of Ten Minutes of Modern, the daily show I was doing on Anchor for the last year. There is a very likely version of that show that is gonna be coming back on a different medium. Um, I don't have enough information to fully announce it yet today, but I want to let you guys know there's something brewing. We're working to keep it alive. We are working to keep it alive, so you guys will have that daily 10 minutes, uh, hopefully, from me doing uh, modern content somewhere else that isn't that app. Um, though I do something on that app called Nerds and Suits, where I review movies every week. I'm a member of the press now, so you can check that out if you want to check that out, anchor.fm. All right, guys, thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll, right. uh, we'll talk to you more soon. And BDM, thanks again for coming by. Congratulations on the oh, Kickstarter. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And we'll talk to everyone soon. Yep. Bye, guys. 
Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.